This week, we're talking about making the most of the weather that we're given, and you're listening to the Landscape Photography Podcast. This is Nick Page, and as always, thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. In this episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about weather. First of all, what to do when the weather does not cooperate with you, which happens to be very often. And secondly, what weather apps do I use when I'm trying to predict the weather and decide where I'm going to go? Before we jump into this week's episode, I want to remind you, yes, one more time about the Ireland workshop. I'm really excited about this workshop. I'm going to be teaming up with my good friend, Neil, Irish photographer, and we're going to be photographing the northern coast of Ireland. It's going to be an amazing time. Also, a quick reminder that you can find me over on both Vero and Instagram. I am posting less and less to Facebook. Facebook is just kind of slowly petering out as far as the reach. So I'm spending most of my time over on Instagram and Vero. You can find me Nick Page Photography on Instagram, or you can just find me by doing a search for Nick Page on Vero. Okay, with that, let's jump into this week's episode about weather. Anyone can make a good photo when the light is doing amazing things. Anyone with a cell phone can take a photo of a storm cloud over a beautiful scene and come away with something really amazing. In my opinion, it's those photographers that come away with amazing images even when the weather is not doing exactly what you want it to do. Those are the photographers that I really look up to. So in this episode, I kind of want to talk about different ways I approach different types of weather conditions because it's not always going to be the big beautiful stormy cloud blow up sunset that we're always hoping for. Before we jump into the different ways to approach different types of weather, let's talk about weather apps for a little bit. I recently released a video on YouTube about this very thing so if you've seen that some of this is going to be a recap with one notable exception. So this first app that I want to talk about is actually one that was recommended to me that I wasn't using at the time of my most recent YouTube video. It's called Clear Outside. So the coolest part of Clear Outside is that it gives you cloud cover predictions. You pick your location and then you can get total cloud cover predictions as well as predictions for the amount of low clouds, medium clouds, and high clouds, as well as fog and visibility. Really, really useful app because those low clouds, medium clouds, and high clouds have a great deal to do with the quality of the sunrise or the sunset that is possible in that area. Low clouds typically, now this is typically, will choke out a sunset, but high clouds will catch a lot of that color and some of the longest burning sunsets or sunrises are going to be when you have a fairly high percentage of those high clouds. Granted, if you have like 100% cloud cover of high clouds, that is overcast and you don't want that. Medium clouds can be those really stormy, boofy clouds. <laughs> uh, boofy, that's a great term. But medium clouds are typically going to be those really stormy, cumulus type clouds they will still catch color, but they're not going to be super long burning. And low clouds typically are too low to catch much color, but they can add tons of atmosphere into the shot. So ideally you want this nice mix of all three, and this app is going to give you a prediction percentage for each elevation of cloud. Super, super useful information. Another app that I use just for my general basic weather information is Weatherbug. 
Weatherbug just gives you a quick readout of all the basic stuff. You can do hourly forecast, 10-day forecast. It's very quick. It's very simple. But in the map section of the app, there's both a storm tracker layer or a lightning layer. And these are going to be really good for predicting the path of lightning storms and so forth. I use primarily when I'm tracking a storm, I like to use Weatherbug. Uh, for those two layers. Another app that I've been using a lot is called Storm. I really like Storm. It's map based so you can easily find locations just by moving around the app and selecting a location. Then you have several different layers to choose from, clouds, radar, as well as lightning. And you can swipe up and get an hourly graph readout where you can have total cloud cover, precipitation percentage predictions, as well as temperature and the other stuff. Anytime that you can get the cloud cover percentage, that's always going to be very useful information. 0% cloud cover can be a drag, just like overcast can be a drag. And this is going to really give you a good idea as to what's going to happen. One more app I do want to mention is called Windy. Windy is really nice because it's kind of an all-in-one where you can get your radar overlays, you can get wind direction overlays, cloud overlays, as well as surf. So if you're shooting seascapes or along the coast, you can get your surf height predictions. And that's all from one easy map-based app. So I like Windy as well. Okay, so typically when I am planning a trip, I'm planning it around weather. In the Pacific Northwest, I'm lucky enough to be able to go pretty much in any direction and find something to shoot. And so what I'll do is at the beginning of my trip, I will look at the weather and I'll be like, oh, it's not looking so good on the coast, but it is looking good in central Oregon. So I'll head to central Oregon. I will let weather dictate where I go and which will greatly help my chances for catching some decent light and decent weather. But it doesn't always work. Sometimes I will get to a location and it will just all the clouds will burn off and it'll just be a total bluebird day where there's not a cloud in the sky. So let's talk about what to do in the different types of weather conditions that are not ideal. Let's start with those clear sky days. I call them bluebird days. If there's not a cloud in the sky, the first thing I do is I check the moon information. I check when it's going to set, when it's going to rise and how much of the moon is going to be visible. Obviously, if it's a new moon day and there's not a cloud in the sky, I automatically think to myself that tonight is going to be a night for night photography because you're going to be able to see all of those stars. But let's say that it's not going to be a good night for night photography. Maybe there's lots of light pollution. Maybe the moon is going to be out and wreck the Milky Way, or maybe the scene just does not lend itself well to night photography. The next thing that I will go to is eliminate the sky. For example, here in the Palouse, if I'm at a place where I can go up to, say, Steptoe Butte, I can get up high and I can eliminate the sky from my frame entirely. I can use that direct light raking across the scene. I can eliminate that big, boring blue sky and just focus in on how the light is creating shadows across the landscape. A thing I'll commonly say is, when the sky sucks, don't include it. And it works really well for those intimate landscapes. If the sky is empty and blue, it's a great time for just zooming in on the landscape, finding interesting textures or interesting areas where light and shadow are doing something interesting. On bluebird sky days, either do night photography or eliminate the sky entirely or wait until the sun goes down and you start getting a little bit of that twilight light 
and then do those intimate landscapes where you have that much softer, more diffused light hitting whatever your subject is, and then still exclude the sky from your frame. And typically those are going to yield as good a results as you can get from those kind of situations. Another situation is you show up to your shooting location, you fly all the way to Iceland, and then you get flat overcast skies. In Iceland, flat overcast skies actually don't happen very often. Typically, they're very stormy and gray skies, and sometimes that moodiness can be a good thing. When it's a bad thing is when there is zero texture in that sky, and it's just flat and overcast and lifeless. A scene like that, the thing that it's lacking is contrast. As soon as I start to photograph any kind of scene like that, I'm already adding contrast in my mind because I know that's going to be one of the first things that I do in post-processing to bring life back into the subject. Again, when things are overcast like that, I start looking for the more intimate landscapes. On an overcast day, the first place I go is into the forest because when you are shooting a forest scene, a lot of times those flat skies can actually be a good thing because you don't have those harsh highlights hitting leaves and harsh shadows being created and you can shoot in any direction. When the sun is out and you're in the forest, you can kind of only shoot one direction. You can shoot into the sun where everything is backlit, but on an overcast day, direction doesn't matter anymore and you can shoot in any location. So typically overcast days, I like to look for intimate scenes, things like macro photography would be amazing or just zooming in on little intimate parts of your scene. So if you're on the ocean, eliminating the sky, zooming in on the water action and maybe playing around with shutter speed where waves are going around a rock. Or if you have some kind of forest scene around you, that's a great day to go into the forest, shoot a waterfall, shoot something that is not light dependent and actually benefits from that overcast sky. One of the biggest mistakes that I used to make is that I would go and shoot that big wide scene anyways, even if the light was not good, even if it was a big empty sky or overcast skies, I would go try to shoot that wide angle scene anyways. And I would just go home with a bunch of photos that I wasn't going to do anything anyways and just fill up my hard drive with crappy photos. So you're better off to just completely change your plan and go try to photograph something more photogenic. Overcast skies equal intimate landscapes, macro photography, and forest scenes if you have that available. Okay, so what about if we add rain into this overcast situation? Those skies open up and it begins to rain on you. Well, when it's raining, that is the best time to photograph a forest scene of some kind. And the reason for that is because all of that rain is going to basically wash all of that foliage and that foliage is going to take on this really vivid, really vibrant green, especially if you're using a polarizer. If it's raining and things are getting wet, a polarizer is going to be your friend because it's going to really cut through the glare that is happening off of all of that water. And you're going to see that nice, vivid, vibrant color from underneath. So again, if it's raining, I head to a waterfall or I head to a forest scene. But the same could be true for any kind of, you know, open field or whatever. But remember, you don't want to include your sky. So you're thinking intimate landscapes, macro photography or forest scenes. One of the biggest letdowns in landscape photography is when you have this really dramatic sky that has all of this potential for sunset and then it peters out and sunset just doesn't happen, even though it looked like it did. It happens all the time on the Oregon coast. But one of the things that you can do 
in that situation is don't leave too early because a lot of times sunset might not happen, but the twilight light that happens afterwards where you get kind of this yellowish glow low on the horizon and it slowly transitions into a purplish glow. A lot of times all those great clouds that didn't really catch color for your sunset will catch color for your twilight light. And twilight light can be just as good as a nice sunset. So if your sunset doesn't happen, stick around for that twilight light. Some of my favorite shots have come from missing a sunset, getting there a little bit too late, but waiting around for that twilight light and then having that be as good as anything I could have hoped for. The biggest thing is, is to not get too attached to your plan to be flexible in your plans and to shoot around what nature gives you. Nature oftentimes is going to throw you curveballs, and your ability to adjust to what nature is giving you weather-wise is going to greatly impact the quality of the photos that you go home with. There's always something to shoot. You just got to figure out what. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. Kind of a short episode, but hopefully you guys found some little nugget in there. Remember, you can go over to patreon.com slash nickpagephotography and support the podcast there. And we'll see you in the next episode. Take it easy, guys. This podcast is brought to you by me, Nick Page. You can always find the show notes at landscapephotographypodcast.com. You can find tutorials and workshops at nickpagephotography.com. And you can support the show by going to patreon.com slash nickpagephotography. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Vero. Just do a search for Nick Page Photography or Nick Page. Thank you guys so much for subscribing and reviewing the show. And we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks so much for listening.